Hey, hey, everybody. What's going on? I want to welcome you to the first ever airing of Lane Violation. Excuse me, Lane Violation. A little bit of tongue twister there, Greg. Um, Co-hosted by myself, Andre Turan, and my partner here, Greg Mello. Um, we're here to talk everything NBA basketball. The ins, the outs, the ups, the downs, the quirks, fair or foul. So, Greg, why don't you set it off and um, go ahead and introduce yourself um, to everybody. Tell them what we aim to do here at Lane Violation and... And we can dig into it, and uh, I guess I'll introduce myself as well, all right? Yeah, uh, once again, hey everyone, listeners, my name is Greg Mello. Uh, you know, coming to you with some South Jersey background, really looking at Philly sports is, is what I bring to the table. But as a whole, we're looking at the NBA, so um, a little bit of a background about me. You know, I've got some scouting uh a little bit of scouting background. I took a took a class in scouting uh, this past year. I uh, got signed on to Liberty Ballers SB Nation blog for the Philadelphia 76ers. So cover the team in a part time capacity, um, and and really just you know now that I'm I'm going to Northwestern University uh, for MSJ in sports journalism. Really going to be you know adding more to my repertoire here, and and this podcast is is what it's all about as well. Obviously, you guys are listening first and foremost for basketball, for these takes, for this analysis, uh, for this fun commentary about the league that everyone knows and loves. You know, we are excited that, you know, the regular season is right around the corner. We're sitting, I think, about three, four days away uh, from, from the start of the regular season. And we're just going to come in, uh, going to have some great segments for you this year that, that we've already kind of planned out that I think will be fun for you guys to to hear us jaw back and forth. You know, we're going to have some occasional guests come on to really add some spice, add some flavor to the podcast. And we're, we're going we're gonna to try and build a niche here. We know this is a large market, but, you know, basketball is always fun to talk about, and, and we'll see going forward. I, mean, I would say it's the, the most, probably it's popular sport of the big three, not numbers-wise, but just as far as... Um, being <laughs> being able to, the draw the draw the NBA gets I, I think is amazing. Of course, you might see a little bit more numbers in, in the NFL, but I think there's a lot of talking about here. Just especially the how basketball has just been. People want to talk about the crossover between sports, politics, and culture, and I think basketball is, is the is the epicenter of it all right now, currently. So it's a lot to talk about. But before we get into that, um, let me introduce myself. I said, like I said before, my name is Andre Turan. I'm also a student here, student here at um, Northwestern's Medill School of Journalism, number one in the nation, Greg. We are for a reason. Yeah. yeah, we got some. We got some big things to do. This podcast <laughs> is, is going to be one of those things. So we're extremely excited um, to chop up everything and everything about the NBA this year. And we we want to go ahead and get and jump into it though, and get started and just talk about you know a preseason recap, man. And does it matter? And some relevant headlines that have been um, developing um, as far as. Uh, on the on the on the on the front porch of the season's eve, uh, we've seen some things develop. So, uh, Greg, you want to get us started with some, some with some relevant headlines and what's going on, especially yeah. in Minnesota. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, it's it's the preseason, but we know that the NBA is a league that really just it never sleeps. And of course, you know, one of the big things that we've been keeping our eye on the past few weeks and even the past couple of months has been the Jimmy Butler situation in Minnesota. Um, you know, as as talks have been 
going back and forth between Minnesota and interested teams. We've really narrowed down the race to what what we thought was one team in in the Miami Heat who have been really giving the 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 most palatable offer to Minnesota in, in that you know, it, it, it's not nothing. It's not it's not 25 cents on the dollar for, for a top 15 NBA player in the league. Uh, but it, it looks like that they the two teams were really close recently, as, as recent as last week before uh, talks fell apart. I mean, medicals were exchanged for Butler. Um, th- th- we learned later on that a, a package involving Josh Richardson of the Miami Heat and a protected first-round pick were in the deal. And uh, it, it didn't get the job done. So really kind Kind of questioning, you know what what uh what Minnesota might be holding out for uh, because right now the market is seeming to dwindle up. But if if that was not the only thing that we if that was the only thing we could talk about, it I think we just kind of go past it. I but I don't get it though. Um, and you know you heard those reports the other day about Pat Riley of Billy calling Thibodeau a, a mother bleeper, whatever whatever you want to you want to you want to fill those blanks in with, but. Um, it's kind of an, uh, an unwritten rule in the league that whenever medical information is exchanged, usually that means the deal is in process and it should be should be going through. So I, I heard some, something in the wind that, that Riley was kind of upset about that, but he's, he's now retracted on his statement saying that he would never say something like that, never do something like that. But um, I guess my question is, Greg, what, 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 what do they want? I mean, I mean, I know the situation is, is sticky just because of the fact that Thibodeau wants to keep Butler. Um, but this is a guy who's expressed that he wants to leave. Um, but at the same time, it's, it's, it's a bag of mixed feelings because then you see him come in practice the other day, fired up like he's ready to go, um, challenging the guys, evidently, quote-unquote, cussing out <laughs> or cussing at the GM, saying, you, you need me uh, to win, basically. Um, so I, I, just, I just don't understand what was really going on in Minnesota. Uh, do you have any idea, or what, what's your what, what's your feeling about about that whole um, escapade at this point? I mean, I've uh, honestly I've never been in the in the Tom Thibodeau uh, camp for for him being both the coach and the GM. Uh, it's situations like this that always tend to to make that theory rise to the to the top. But you know. I, I part of me kind of respects what Thibodeau is doing. I mean, he understands that Jimmy Butler is a top fifteen, top twelve NBA player in the yeah. league, yeah. and you know, I'm I'm high on Josh Richardson. I think he's a really valuable piece for that Miami Heat team, and he's kind of a guy that almost anybody would take in the league. Um, you know, we'll talk a little bit about kind of how pre- if preseason matters or not. But Richardson has been having a really solid preseason so far. Um, but you know, Josh Richardson and a protected first round pick I can understand how you wouldn't really expect that to be the going rate for an all-star of Jimmy Butler's caliber I mean he's not going to be a number one on a championship team but easily number two I think you you a a two-way player um, can handle the ball with a high usage rate I mean you know, obviously people bring up the fact that he's got some tread on his tires because he's been running with Tom Thibodeau for so long. But ideally, you know, Eric Spolstra, really smart coach, he's going to be the kind of guy who will be able to get Butler into some rotations, um, really, you know, prevent the stress on his knees that have, have been the source of some of his problems. Yeah. I mean, when Butler is healthy, he's an animal. I mean, you um, said earlier, you look at his, his efficiency rate, it's at, it's at 23.7, and the league average is about 15. 
So, I mean, he's clearly playing above. And when he's in the game, and you talk about usage rate, when he's in the game, he's effective. And, he, and he's a guy um, that loves playing defense. He loves the grittiness in the nat- of, the, of the sport because that's all he's known. That's the grind he, he's had to experience coming up and, and get himself into Marquette and then um, making a name himself in Chicago. Um, and you see players like uh, like Paul George back him up on that on that stance as far as um, how he approached this week as far as practice and was been challenging people and Butler he sat down with uh, Rachel Nichols correct he he was talking about um that's just basically that's just his competitive nature that's his fire that's that's his his want to and you know some people see it <laughs> not in that light and kind of just see it as like a, a kind of I guess a, a diva prima donna type type deal but you've seen guys like do that stuff like in the past I mean Kobe was famous for it um and and, and other guys but um it's just, it's like I said, it's just, it's just a very interesting um, development. Just because, and I, and to quote Kevin Garnett, he said it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a blank storm. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a it's, he said it seems like both sides are delusional, which is, which I agree with completely. Um, but I also I think the tough thing for Miami is, outside of that first round pick. Um, they don't, it's not many bar, many bargaining chips they have. Yeah, I mean they they have, you know they just re-signed Justice Winslow to a three-year deal, um, who I, I thought would have maybe been a piece, but it sounds like Minnesota might not be as high on him. You know Josh Richardson we've already talked about, and they they have a couple of like useful pieces. It's really just the contracts, yeah. obviously, that you you've got to take a look at. I mean James Johnson is a solid uh, 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 forward down there in the postseason. In the postseason. He was really solid. I mean, Goran Dragic, who I imagine they would want to keep, but if you put him on the table, he's a really uh, solid point guard, and, and Minnesota could get rid of Jeff Teague in that case. I, they they have usable, workable players. It's just the fact that they're cap-strapped because of the way that they've built that team. And, and that's, you know, one of the reasons why they're trying to, you know, do a two-for-one type of deal or a three-for-two type of deal to get – more of a quality players that that will raise the ceiling for that yeah. team. Um, I, I think that you know that this situation, as much as I'd like it to be over with, and I think Butler does too. Before the start of the regular season, he wants to get traded before opening night. I feel like this is going to push forward a little further into the season, and the longer that it goes, the more likely we're going to see a third team jump in here. You know, the Rockets have an avenue to get Jimmy Butler. I mean, Eric Gordon. And a first round, a couple of first round picks, because you know the Rockets never draft their first round picks; they just trade them away. They're they're fine doing that. <laughs> Daryl Morey is is always tinkering. He's always trying to think of creative ways to get star talent. If you add a Jimmy Butler to a Chris Paul and a James Harden, that is an elite uh, th- top three guys on a team that that can that can already. I mean, that team was already contending uh, Golden against Golden State in the in the Western Conference Finals. So I think that's something to keep an eye on down the road. I don't think this uh, gets finished anytime soon, though, and I think that, uh, yeah, there's going to be openings for other teams to slip in here. Okay. And and staying in the West, uh, another development we saw earlier in the week was unfortunate with uh, DeJounte Murray tearing his ACL. Um, And they were were extremely high on him, Um, especially, correct me if I'm wrong, on defense side of the ball. Of course, you want to see his offensive game develop a little bit more. But the Spurs thought they they really going they were really going to have something working with 
him and DeRozan in the backcourt. And to, on top of that, that injury comes on top of losing first-round pick Lonnie Walker, who might have been a – his minutes probably weren't wouldn't have been that great just because with, like, um, Mills and other and other guards that they wanted to put on the floor. Um, but now you're going to have to see somebody like, like Derek White, um, White step up and play. Um, but Mills probably will get the probably will get the starting gig. But um, what do you what do you think this means for the Spurs backcourt and, and their projection in the West now? Because I mean it's it's a totally shaken up lineup, um, and, and and with the heavy West, uh, will will this be something that could that could hurt them um, getting in? I mean it's it's absolutely a huge blow. Uh, Dejounte Murray was an All NBA Defensive Player last yeah. year, yeah. and. He is the guy that you rely on to take out uh, elite point guards on the on the other end, um, and and you know we've been watching him through the preseason to expand his offensive game. His his mid range shot had been looking a lot smoother, you know, projecting that you know maybe later down the line he was going to get that three point shot a little bit better too, and and when you have a player like a Demar Derozan uh, who will be handling the ball probably for the most part, I think. Yeah. Um, who, you know, he's not necessarily a volume three-point shooter at this point. You need an off-guard that can handle that duty, that can be a spot-up, catch-and-shoot three-point guy. Um, Now that Murray is out, you're really looking at a... Yeah, you're you're looking at a lot of Patty Mills. Um, Derek White... Recently, I mean, they they they've had high hopes for the kid. Yeah, he he just got injured um, very recently. Uh, he's begin. I believe he's going to be out for the first couple of weeks of the season. Um, so it, it's it's really going to be DeRozan and Mills that are going to be running a lot of heavy minutes. And then you you look at the rest of their depth here. They they just don't have <laughs> guards. I mean, Marco Bellinelli is a wing that you can play at the two, but he's not going to be running sets for you. I mean, Rudy Gay in a pinch, he can also play at the two, but it's not something that these guys have really been, you know, really have been used to in recent years. It's it before before Murray went out, I was still kind of curious as to what route San Antonio had to make the playoffs. I mean, you always give the hat tip to Greg Popovich, best, in my opinion, probably the, the best coach of all time at this point yeah. uh, in, in the NBA. But it, he just doesn't have these consistent guys now. He's going to be... He's going to be bringing some people up on ten days, or he's going to be trying to reach out on the the whoever's left on the free agent market, unless he's just going to run Mills just a lot of minutes, and I, I think that really hurts their their ceiling. They're going to be they're going to be scrapping and clawing to try and get that that eighth seed. I yeah. think. But but see, at the same time, because it's Popovich, I'm a little bit less concerned. If it was somebody else, if it was somebody else running that team or coaching that team, um, I'd be a lot more concerned. But. He's done a good job of being able to, to use the deck that he's had, especially with, you know, these Spurs stars kind of just transitioning out over the years now. Um, but I think it's going to be a heavy, heavy load on DeRozan. Um, and I'm, I'm very interested to see how him and Aldridge is going to play. But they have a, but the other thing is I'm concerned is about the depth of their wing position, because especially defensively, because Bellinelli's not going to give anything defensively. At this point of Rudy Gay's career, if he, if he really was contributing defensively before that, you're not you're not gonna get much out of that out of him either. Um, so it's it's going to be uh, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm very I'm very interested to see how um, 
how that's going to shake out, man. How that's going to shake out. So what we got next, though? Uh, the the other headline. Well, we have we have a couple more headlines, but th- one of the big things that happened about a week ago, uh, the Phoenix Suns fired their general manager uh, right before the season, essentially. Um, and this is uh, right after the fact that he drafted the number one overall pick hired a new coach and you know constructed this team over over the offseason with the signing of Trevor Ariza uh, tr- uh pickup of um Ryan Anderson from the Rockets i it's it's kind of head scratching just the timing of this you know i mean yes that's, that's just so phoenix anyway anyway like <laughs> That's that's just a son's type thing. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, but it's it's in some ways, yes, you don't need the general manager right now because you're you're heading into the regular season. It's the the head coach that's going to be really you know in charge of the progress of the team. But you always want to have a guy who's making calls. You know, just kind of keeping the lines open just in case something pops up. And you know, they promoted their um, their vice president of basketball ops. Um, What's his name here? James. This is this is good podcasting actually right here. <laughs> um, Are we talking about to, to replace? Yeah, to replace their general oh, manager James, James Jones. James Jones. Yes. James Jones. So, so the, I mean, they went with the internal guy. A quick thing. Obviously, he he understands what their system is what what their ideals are what their values are for the thing but it was is really just weird that you kind of do that right before the season um and then you know that team itself they have the aspirations of making the playoffs which i think is a little big a, 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 that's a big step for them um yes they have uh, Devin Booker, who is a rising star player, in my opinion. Um, but he's he's coming off a wrist uh, surgery, so he's not going to be fully 100% to start the season. DeAndre Ayton has looked pretty solid in preseason. You you, you, you you like that. You like seeing that. You like seeing that. Um, and, they, and they've got solid wing guys. Uh, Trevor Ariza. Uh, Macau Bridges has looked kind of shaky, but you know, rookie. Um, Ryan Anderson is a is a solid stretch four. I mean, they have some pieces, but you're in the Western Conference, and you really gotta have your stuff you you've got to have your stuff together to really make a push to be a top eight team. Um, so it was it's it's a little strange. I think that. You know, overall, it's it's probably going to be of little consequence, but that's the, the the Suns are an organization where the the owner is really hands on, and that's kind of what you saw there in in, in firing the guy um, just just a few few weeks before the uh, the regular season started. Uh, and 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 to wrap up our headlines here, you know, big news out of the the Northeast. Uh, Kyrie Irving announces that. To, to Boston, to the fans that he's committing to re-signing after the uh, the season here, uh, which, you know, obviously as a, as a Celtics fan, you love to hear that. Kyrie Irving was amazing in the time that he, he was on the floor last year for them, um, really transforming that team and giving it another level. Um, but in my opinion, and is maybe this is just conspiracy theory, but, like, this is the sort of thing where, 
if you're going to say that, there is no there 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 was nothing stopping him from signing extension right yeah, now. Most definitely. If they if Boston wanted to put an extension on the table right then and there, and he said he's coming to resign it, you go ahead and sign an extension. Now there there hasn't been any talks of an extension in place, um, but for me, why leave? Um, for for what? I, <laughs> I know you were traded to that place, and that might not have been the place of destination that you might have wanted to go. Um, but when you were trying to get out of Cleveland, you were just trying to get out of Cleveland at all costs at that point in time. Would you, would you say I'm correct in saying that? Yeah. Um, so Boston has built – Danny Ainge and, and Brad Stevens have, have built a team that will be a NBA championship contender for years to come if those pieces stay together. But the key words in that sentence is if those pieces stay together. Because we've seen teams <laughs> be put together um, and could be and have the potential to be dominant for years. But they seem to always break and fall apart after about three or four. Would you agree? Um, but, like, what, what more could he want, man? Um, after this year, I, 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 and we'll talk about this later, I have them projected to be in the finals. Um, against Golden State. So, I guess we foreshadowed that a little bit early. But, and I can see that series easily going seven just because of the matchups and, and Boston's ability to fend up and down. Um, but after that, whether they win or lose, let's just say hypothetically they, they, they lose to Golden State because Golden State is still strong. They're the defending champs. There's a possibility that that Golden State team breaks up a little bit, and it's, it's still going to be a solid team. But you can see Durant leave. Cousins was not going to resign. Um, and then you have an opportunity to win to set yourself up to win for years. So for Kyrie, I mean, what more do you want other than to go to another place and say this is your 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 destination of choice and you want to win in your destination of choice? Because <laughs> that team, man, is the, the definition of loaded to me. Um, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, the reasoning why people were expecting at least from a media angle, that Kyrie was going to leave is because he he sort of made that his his quote his 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 mantra as he was leaving Cleveland he wanted to carry his own team and on Boston even though he is still a very good player um, you could make the the argument is he the number one option on that on that roster it's so loaded I mean you have Gordon Hayward coming back from an injury who is a top 25 player in his own right you have Jason Tatum a blossoming star offensively at least defensively he's still pretty good too Jalen Brown has has the potential to become an elite two-way guy later on if he hits his ceiling. I mean, Kyrie right now could be argued still number one guy on that team, but it, it's not going to be his team if he stays there. I agree. Yes, if you want the best option for winning, you stay there. It is loaded. That's like a easily 10-deep roster during the regular season, and when they shorten it to seven during the playoffs, they're going to have fresh legs. Brad Stevens is a guy that everyone wants to play for. He's really smart. He if you saw the the playoff series against Philadelphia 76ers and the Cleveland Cavaliers, uh, you you could see the way that he would adapt in the playoffs to opposing teams. And out-of-bounds plays were just phenomenal, uh, coordinated by Brad Stevens. Um you know, I'm, I'm. Shouts to Al Horford, obviously, who is, in my opinion, the linchpin of that team 
in in his high IQ both defensively and passing the ball around, whipping the ball around in that offense. Um, but back to Kyrie, yeah, I, I think that th- this this is a no brainer. I, d- I don't think that he really should have thought about it too long, and I think that he should sign this deal relatively soon because if you sign the extension now, you're going to get the security now. I mean, we we don't know about Kyrie Irving's knees if you can really expect him to play 70 plus games in a regular season and I I understand that's probably why Boston hasn't put a formal offer out on the table they're probably saying hey this is probably best for both of us if we wait until the end of the regular season or until the offseason but if I'm Kyrie I might be pushing a little harder um, just to get something done just to get that financial security because yes you're going to get paid well everyone expects you to get a max or very close to it um, and, and and you have the brand to to get some outside money easily uh, this is something that I think that he should probably get done a, in a in a quicker quicker fashion than what we've seen okay okay agree agree now we're, we're four days out Greg Four days, seventeen, correct? Wednesday. What games we got? Uh, Wednesday opening night, we have the Philadelphia 76ers taking on the Boston Celtics mm-hmm. in a rematch of the second round of the oh. Eastern playoffs. Uh, that is going to be in Boston. Can't wait. And then right after that, we are going to have Golden State and Oklahoma City. What a lot of right. Uh, Hmm? I said, "What a lineup, right?" Yeah, yeah. It's it's going to be great, great opening night. I think in my, I mean, the second game maybe not so much. I think I think Golden State, Golden State might not have too much trouble um, with the Thunder, but it's opening night. Anything could happen. But I'm just, we're we're both excited that that we're we're so close to it. Yeah. Um. But you know, speak kind of segueing uh, from that, Dre. Let's let's talk about you know now that we've seen the preseason. And, you know, we, we take the preseason with a grain of salt. But who, who do we think going into this season is real? My, my team that, that, as far as interest, huge, um, real, the Denver Nuggets are real, man. I, just, I'm extremely high on them. Um, if you look at them, they, were, they should have made the playoffs last year. French playoff team, one game away from being, you know, the HC in a loaded West, being an AC in a loaded West is not. That's not a terrible seat. Like it's it's the West, uh, and we we know what that means. Um, but they lose an OT against the T Wolves, um, where those teams it was basically a playing game. Um, and he, both I thought both those teams should have been playoff teams personally, um, because you I mean you look at what the T Wolves could have been if, if Jimmy Butler didn't go down as well. Um, but man, I just love. Um, the volume scores or the potential volume scores Denver Nuggets have on this team, man. Um, that especially that surround Jokic, man, it, and the and the guard play that surrounds them. They're they're extremely deep in the card guard positions, and they have guards that can fill it up really fast. I mean, Jamal Murray to me, man, is he's going to be a guy that's going to be up for most improved player of the year. Um, that's going to be on the cusp of I, I can see him scoring somewhere between eighteen and twenty, and really shooting the ball well, man. I mean. He, <laughs> from from deep and just from from a lot of places on the court, man. I remember I I, I watched him probably the, I think it was two years ago um, in the Rising Stars game and his ability. I mean, I know I'm just a Rising Stars game, but I watched him. The ability to pour it up at, at such a high clip was it was amazing to me. I mean, then you have and you have um, Gary Harris beside him. 
Um, who's gonna shoot? Who's gonna shoot it well from three? Will Barton is a, is a is a really streaky guy that I like, and you have freaking Isaiah Thomas coming off the bench with a chip on his shoulder, ready for redemption and smelling blood. And you put that with Jokic's skill set as far as the ability to pass, it's down the third man. Um, you look at it and you can see Jokic going. Who I think will block, who will be an All Star this year. Jokic will be an All Star this year, man. You look at his numbers last year. He averaged eighteen and a half. Um, by almost 11 boards, 10.7, and a solid six assists from, from the five spot, man. And with all that volume, all that ability to score, all those explosive guards around him, with his skill set in the middle, I expect him to see, have about a 20, 10, and six or seven year, man. And um, like I say, it'll be an all-star. But you just look at, like I said, you look at their ability to score the ball. Last year, um, they finished sixth in the league, averaging um, about 110 a game. And they shot at a forty-seven percent clip, man. I mean, that's tenth in the league. That's 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 pretty that's pretty good for the amount of time for the amount of points they were putting up. And I I think they'll break that their five season playoff playoff drive this year. But that, that's just me. But will they be able to defend? Because they were they were <laughs> they were twenty seventh in, in that category after the All Star break um, last year. So um, we know they can score. Can they defend? They have the pieces. I'm high on Denver as, as one of my teams. Yeah, I, I agree with a lot of what you just said. I mean, I know the big question is going to be, hey, Denver, can you defend? Especially when you're looking at you a, a lot of the time last year to, to take on the Denver Nuggets to really just get get easy layups. All you had to do was do a pick and roll with Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic defending it. Uh, neither of them really fleet, fleet of foot able to really navigate screens very well. Um Nikola Jokic, I think, is is a little further along. He he's smart. He's a smart defender. He knows where he has to be. It's more of can he get there with his athleticism. Um, but Jamal Murray needs to step up a little bit this year, I think, to to really um, help them out on that end. Uh, and and I I actually predict that uh, Murray may may be a very may be in store for a breakout season himself. Um, but yeah, I, I'm very high on Denver. We can we can talk all day about their offense I'm really high on their offense um, I think that Isaiah Thomas is a pickup off the bench uh, when he is fully healthy if you can get like six man like heat check Isaiah Thomas that is going to be huge running uh, second second units um, that, that they're just going to feast I mean honestly if you're running up games where you're you're averaging 115 a night um, which I, I could see Denver doing you don't have to play defense you know phenomenally as long as you're you're hitting your shots and like you said they have so many outside guys, and I think the return of Paul Millsap is a little Excuse underrated. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's pretty big now that you can't just straight up double team Jokic. Who I mean, he's really smart anyway, so you, you wouldn't want to double team him anyway. But now you have two really smart big men who can shoot the three and pass at a very high level. It's going to be tough to stop them. Hey, look, look, I want to I want to point this out, man. This I just want you. I just want. The listeners to understand how evenly spread their points were across and what allowed them to just score such a clip last year. Jokic, like I said before, averaged 18 and a half. Millsap, in the 44 games that he played, he averaged about 15. Will Barton averaged 15, 16. Jamal Murray averaged 16.7. Gary Harris averaged dang near 18. Like, if, if that was your starting five put on the floor and you got your guys averaging that every night, man, with with an Isaiah Thomas come off the bench pouring up as well, that that that's solid, man. That's solid. I, and um, more interestingly, 
um, enough is I want to see how uh, when Michael Porter Jr. gets healthy, I want to see how he fits fits in this as well because I, I, his ceiling is still high. It's just a matter of where his health is. Um, but yeah, what about you? What, what is what is a team that you are interested in or you consider to be real? Or fake or a pretender. How is that? How's that go? Uh, for me, I'm still just. I really want to see what Kawhi Leonard looks like in Toronto this season. Yeah, he he he's going to he he's going to be the the crux. He's going to be the thing that pushes them over the top if they can get over the top. Because I I think and you know we we keep kind of hinting at what we're what we're predicting for playoffs wise. But I think it's really going to be in the East a battle between them and Boston. And both of those teams are well rounded units. I think Boston is a little deeper. They go about ten deep, whereas Toronto is probably about seven or eight. But usually when you're thinking of a playoff series, you are looking at, you know, who is the number one guy? Who is the best player in the series? And Kawhi Leonard, when he is fully healthy and engaged, is going to be the best player in that series if those two teams meet up in the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, Especially if you get the Kawhi Leonard from the uh, 2016 NBA Western Conference Finals where he almost single-handedly upset the Golden State Warriors in Game 1 before he got injured. Uh, If you get that Kawhi Leonard, I think Toronto is going to be a force that can take on any team in the league uh, night after night. Uh, And and what's underrated also about getting Kawhi Leonard was in the same trade, they picked up Danny Green, another versatile wing player can play two ways. I mean, yes, he has not been as good in in recent years, but he's still a a solid veteran. Um, Kyle Lowry, I, I think, has always been, in my opinion, the best player on Toronto. Um, DeMar DeRozan got to where he was because of what Kyle Lowry kind of sacrificed and where Kyle Lowry sort of had a late prime in his career. You know, guys like OG Alnobi and Pascal Siakam are going to, I, I think, have really big years um, as long as Nick Nurse helps them along in the, the, the correct way. And, you know, last year we saw with Toronto, their bench unit was so deep that they were running starting five sometimes just consist, uh, composed of, of a good amount of their bench players. So we we know that they've got the stuff to do this. Um, I'm, I'm really excited to see what Nick Nurse can do um, with everyone working here now with Kawhi Leonard kind of trying to get him to buy in the culture and, and re-sign him in the offseason. Um, I, I caught a couple of the preseason games. They looked like they were having a lot of fun. Uh, they're definitely one of the teams that I'm high on going into the year. And I, would, I would agree with you, man. Um, this is a team that set a franchise record winning 50, 59 games last year with DeRozan and, and, and Lowry. And you had Kawhi, who's arguably a top five player, um, when he's healthy and really playing well to this team, they, their makeup really didn't change other than they got, I mean, how does this team not get better is my question. You know, when you plug in Kawhi there, man, it's, you got a guy who's going to give you about 25 and defend lights out. And um, just, I just look at like, we were talking about this earlier before we started the cast, just the amount of defenders they have, especially on the wing is impressive, man. Um, Leonard, OG, Green, and even Norman Powell, he's healthy. He can he defends pretty pretty decently as well, man. Um, <laughs> I, and 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 let's not underrate Nurse. He's been a lot of places, and he has he's a, has a, a a big coaching a, a large array 
as far as where he's been and who he's coached. And, um, and it does bring some solid experience to the table. So I really want to see how he works with those pieces. Um, the only thing um, that may hurt them is how heavy laden and ground bound their bigs are. As far as uh, I, I love Valanciunas, but the athleticism isn't great. You got Monroe backing up, um, and Serge Ibaka's athleticism has declined all these years, and I think he's played a little bit low below his potential as well. Um, but other than that, man, this team, and I think they match up well with, with Boston. That series will be a grinded out slugfest. Um, so yeah, I, I, I agree with that completely. Um, but my next team. <laughs> that I'm really interested in, man, to see how what's, what's going to occur. Um, and I'm not really quite sure if they're real or not. What we're going to see um, as as this year goes forward is Indiana, man. Um, I was I was I was listening and I was tuning into um, the low post the other day, um, and Zach Lowe was was talking about, and I agree with him completely about how hard this team played night in and night out um, last year. And that they were the hardest working, probably just hardest playing team in the NBA last year. And I, and I can agree with that. Um, but my question is, who are they? Um, or, or, excuse me, will we see that again? Um, and <laughs> can they challenge? I mean, they, they took LeBron to, to the wire um, in the Cavs. They, they, took, they took him to the ropes. And frankly, I, I thought that they, they should have won a series. But things, didn't, of course, didn't shake out that way. Um, but you think of the addition of like Tyreek Evans to that to that mix, and who who came back on the scene last year, averaging 19 and a half, and you put him alongside Oladipo, and you now you have now Evans might be coming off the bench behind Collinson. Oh, well, not not behind Collinson because he plays the three and, and the and, and the one. But but you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. But there's there's potential for multiple lineups to be played with there. Absolutely. Where, where you can take Collinson off the court. To give the lineup a little bit more size because Collison is a smaller guard; he's only six foot. Um, where you have primary ball handling going between back and forth between Evans and Oladipo and how they work, and it's time for Miles Turner to step up, man, and really become um, uh, <laughs> a much better. Well, to become the player that people have projected him to be, like he, he averaged freaking six boards last year. That's unacceptable. You're six eleven, two fifty. It's, that's unacceptable, man. <laughs> so it's time for him to get. I would like to see about about fifteen and nine at least. Um, and, and this team could 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 possibly win fifty games. Be, I mean, they they won forty eight last year. And I would like to think with the addition of Evans and, and a couple other pieces that um, this team will be a little bit be a little bit better. And I, um, I'm just, I'm just interested to see what what's going to happen with them. Uh, Yeah, I mean, Indiana was definitely the team that came on the scene out of nowhere last year. Um, Nate McMillan did a really good job with those guys, you know, coaching, preaching fundamentals, uh, team offense, whip passing the ball around really really well. Uh, the, The thing that was really nice to see from them was that... Hmm? Nothing. I just, I just, I'm, I think I'm hearing things, man. Like, I don't, I don't know what's, what's going on. What's, what's, go- I don't know. I'm tripping. No, it's Check, fine. Is my mic on? Checking your mic? Yeah, it was, 
And then I'm hearing, I don't know. Okay, I'm, <laughs> excuse me. I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt, Greg. No, no, you're <laughs> fine. You're fine. Um, no, I'm gonna keep that in. I'm not editing that. Um, so, so what was important for Indiana last year is that they did not beat up on themselves. They were a, a top five uh, team in in keeping, you know, the the ball. Uh, on their side, uh, no, no turnovers, a low turnover percentage. Um, they did a really good job just, you know, not making mistakes. And that is something that if you are a team that even plays, you know, average ball on some nights, but you don't make mistakes, you're going to win a lot of games. Obviously, Victor Oladipo breaking out, having the year that he had was it just incredible for them. He's he's busting into you know that top twenty conversation as a player now, you know. And, and Demontis Sabonis, uh, the other part of that trade was was a solid guy to have. Um, yeah. Really smart big man who spreads the floor um, and or I should spaces the floor who who just makes that that team uh, harder to match up against. And you know Thad Young is just a guy who's just like a he's just a tricky veteran to play. He's got that weird like lefty like like uh, spin and like scoop that he's got like down low he's he's just a he, he's getting older but he just seems to be the same guy it's just tough to it's just it's tough to manage him down low sometimes um yeah i agree that pacers team i think is going to be a 50 win team in the east i actually think there's going to be five teams that are that are over 50 wins in the eastern conference this year um and i think Indiana is going to be one of them i i certainly am interested to see tyreek evans helping out oladipo because you know in that playoff series against cleveland you saw the times where oladipo just didn't have an outlet, didn't have another guy to really relieve some of the pressure off of him. I mean, Collison, you know, there's only so much he can do against a big lineup where you're facing, you know, LeBron James and Rodney Hood on defense and George Hill, who's a savvy uh, veteran defender, you know, bigger guys that can actually body you up. Um, it, it's going to be interesting to see what, what Indiana uh, does this year moving forward. I think they're going to have a, a solid season. Um, I, I think I'll just touch on, like, one more team that um, I'm interested. Um, not quite sure yet where I'm falling on them. And that would be the Charlotte Hornets, actually. Really? Um, so, oh. so Charlotte... The, you know, the, the very low-key offseason. They have a new head coach in James Borrego. Um, but but the the main things that, you know, looking at Charlotte compared to last year, everyone's talk, everyone talked about how they missed out on Donovan Mitchell, took Malik Monk right over him. Malik Monk, really tough first year, hoping to bounce back from that. Uh, and Charlotte uh, makes a trade. And they pick up Miles Bridges. Mm -hmm. So Miles Bridges, this kid, um, Michigan State, I believe, uh, he has shown a lot of solid flashes in the preseason, in summer league. Freaky athlete, um, smart, smart, uh, really smart player. Who can pass the ball, whip the ball around? He he can run. He can run the offense a little bit too. I mean, he's really solid three-four guy, uh, three-four position guy. And you know, he showed flashes out of in in college. But now that you know, you have that NBA spacing around him, and you have savvy veterans like Nicholas Batum, who, when healthy, is a solid player. Kemba Walker, who is in a contract year, who can break down anybody in the league, a supremely underrated player. And and then you have you know, you're looking at this this uh, this depth chart for them. They just have a bunch of guys that 
you know, maybe not they're maybe not special players, but they can all play. I mean, Cody Zeller, he can play the game. Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, you know, you might be a little disappointed in him from a draft perspective, but he can still play the game pretty, you know, pretty well, solid most nights. Frank Kamis, uh, Kaminsky as a, as a bench big is, is pretty solid. They picked up Tony Parker in the offseason as a veteran voice. Um, and... and you know, Willie Herman Hernan Gomez is 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 also pretty solid. I think that this team has a puncher's chance at the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference. And I feel like we say that all the time about Charlotte every year. They're, they're always kind of like floating around that eighth seed. I mean, Kemba Walker, man, my heart is out to you because I feel like you really need to get in the playoffs. You really need to get past the first round. Yeah. For Charlotte, for that city, and and you've been the ultimate player for that franchise. Um, but I think that this year they're they're going to have a puncher's chance to to get in there, and I'm really interested to see if Malik Monk has a bounce back year and Miles Bridges can have a solid rookie season where they end up. Is with, with Monk, we know the skill set is there, talented shooter. Um, I, I just want to. I really wish it would have translated better. Um, I mean, he's a high-level, yeah. high-level athlete. Yeah. Uh, he just he needs to work on finishing around the rim better. Um, but it, yeah, you you when you when you watch him at uh, Kentucky, you know, with Fox, mind you. I mean, yeah. Fox is a cerebral point guard who who really just helped Monk out so much. But you you've you've got to you've got to hope that Monk now. With Borrego, new coach, maybe utilize him a bit more, allow him to to play out of his funks a little bit yeah. more than Steve Clifford did. Um, and we gotta we gotta see a little bit of. There has to be some opportunity for a little bit of confidence building there too. Right. Um, because I'm, I'm pretty sure he's not happy at all with Aaron. I think it was like six point seven points a game um, last year. Don't don't quote me on that, but I, I'm pretty sure it was that low. Um, but he, if he can hit a couple shots, man, and they can get him rolling, I can see I can see Charlotte probably. Competing for an AC, I could, I could, I could see that. Um, I'm, oh, this preseason, I'm, I, I like what I've seen out of Bridges. I'm extremely impressed, um, just because he's he's playing to his skill set, and that's what I think he got away from him sometimes at Michigan State. You see him trying to settle for a lot of perimeter jump shots. Now he was hitting, he was hitting some open threes when left open um, in right. his preseason games, but he wasn't forcing anything. He was just playing hard, rim running. And allow his athleticism to take over. And if he does that, he'll be able to play it at, 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 at his potential and maybe a possibility um, for him to pay, play higher. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how, how that pans out there. Um, speaking of rookies, um, speaking of rookies, uh, let, let's get to some. Let's let's dig a little bit deeper into that. Um, what? I'm trying to think. Let, let, let's start with what are what are your general expectations for the, for the 2018 class, I guess. And then, do you have? We were, we were supposed to put a list together of um, what guys we were high on and what guys we think. Oh yeah, I have a list uh, together. Either make or bust. So, um, you want me to open up, or do you, or do you want to start with with your list? How 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 do we want to? Um. Well, just just general expectations for this class, man. 2018 class was really deep. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that, you know, if you weren't getting a lottery player who you expect to be a long-term starter, you could get a solid role player deep into the 
mid twenties, even even as far back as, as the second round, yeah. you could get a usable yeah. solid rotation player. Um so I think that this rookie class is going to be good. They're they're gonna all have general impact on their teams. Um as for the way that we can work this list, man, uh, I, I didn't, I didn't really compose this as like bus first. Yeah. You know, I kind of just went, you know, one to whatever, just guys Same. that I kind of want to keep an eye on um, during the year. Um, so, you know, I, I guess I'll just start from the the bottom because I feel like the top is where everyone kind of knows like who, who we would be focusing on. But let let me start uh, uh, from the bottom here. Uh, so, so one of the guys that. That came to mind for me, and he's, you know, obviously we're going to have the conversation of whether he's a rookie or not, but Harry Giles of the Sacramento Kings. Um, they picked up Marvin Bagley Jr., second overall oh, you in the draft. Harry, Harry you Harry Giles? I do. I do. Okay. He, I didn't, he didn't I play. He did not play any games. <laughs> um, so, you know, that Ben Simmons, Blake Griffin argument. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, he, he didn't play any games, and I think that he is – He's going to be the Duke player that uh, everyone's going to be paying attention to on the Sacramento Kings. I mean, this guy is, you know, coming off of, I believe, three devastating knee injuries. I think he he blew out his knees three times. Um, oh yeah, twice twice in high school. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, but but before that elite athleticism, right now he's still, you know. Smart fundamental passer down low, pretty pretty good interior guy. But the fact that he came into summer league in the preseason and he was already comfortably taking three point shots and hitting them at an all right clip for a big man with a low volume shooting, that is going to help out his team so much and his development, um, and especially Marvin Bagley because I kind of think about them tied together if they're going to play together. If Harry Giles can be the guy stretches the floor Marvin Bagley is going to get a little bit more help in his development too because you know we'll touch on Marvin Bagley probably too but originally when I saw that pick Marvin Bagley to the Kings I didn't like that you know Sacramento Kings have so many big men with Scalabi, Sierra, Willie Cauley-Stein you know Bagley, Giles um, it's, it's tough to really get young guys development if they're fighting for minutes amongst themselves um Zach Randolph is still there as a veteran player, um, another big man who you know he's going to want his playing time. It's, it's hard to get the young guys in if, if you've if you've got that sort of um, environment around them. But yeah, I think Harry Giles is a guy that definitely interests me. I, I think that he's going to have a good season. You know, will the Kings have a good season? That's a different question entirely. I don't think so. I think they're I think they're going to be a, I think they'll be a bottom five team probably in the league. Um, but yeah, Harry Giles is one of the, the guys that I'm interested to see. Okay, since we start from the bottom, um, we were talking about this earlier too. One guy I'm keeping my eye on is, is, is Grayson. I like the trip, Allen. <laughs> um, but it just I look at Grayson's skill set, and I remember watching the um, the McDonald's All American like week leading up to. I was like, man, who's this? Who's this? I'm be blind here. Who's this white guy that's that's <laughs> that's that's winning like dunk competition, doing all this, all this, all this stuff, and I just he he has a good uh, um, a great base athletically. Um, I think he's a pretty a pretty good shooter. Um, and adding him to this this jazz lineup was is interesting. 
Um, and that's the word I'm going to use because I'm really not quite sure how it panned out. Um, but I was looking at some preseason ball, and he, he looked pretty pretty decent. Um, and I really didn't know in college how he would project to the league or if he'd be able to, you know, stay and and, 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 and be an available option for teams as, as his career goes on. Um, but I, I really, I really want to see, you know, and, and nothing more than just an inquiry. I just want to see how he fits at, on a very solid Jazz team and, and what like what role he he will ultimately play. Whether he can come off the bench and not and knock down um, two or two or three three balls um, and make some some freak make a couple freaky athletic moves to the bucket um, and see if he can form some type of uh, become some type of spark plug player that that they may not may not explore well. Well, what we we might not, might not uh, excuse me, might not have expected him to be, um, because I mean clearly the Jazz drafted him because they saw saw something, but yeah, I want I want to see what what Allen does in um, in Utah on this year in a, in a off the bench type of role. Yeah, um, I I agree. I mean, I was I was lower on the pick uh, when it happened, but seeing you know a couple of games summer league, a couple of games preseason, he looks like he's thinking it well. Uh, Quinn Snyder is, is another really good coach over there in Utah, um, and and he knows how to develop guys. So if he can make Grayson Allen just you know a flamethrower off the bench and a guy who can be a little bit of a pest as as he as he was in his time in college, I mean that's that's ultimately a benefit uh, to their team. Um, kind of in the in, in a similar mode, uh, in a similar mold. Uh, maybe a little bit of a higher ceiling in Milwaukee. The pick with da- with Dante Divincenzo, um, you, Vill- Villanova, Villanova's hero from from last year's NCAA tournament. Uh, I I caught their the Bucks preseason game against the Bulls, um, and you know they're playing the Bulls who don't play defense. But Dante Divincenzo had, <laughs> I think, three possessions in the span of like two minutes where I was just like this is this was a Dante's Inferno DiVincenzo right here I mean he was he, he was he was hitting some threes he was driving hard to the rack and kicking it he had a nice no look dish I speak of athleticism My God. he can jump out of the gym um, and and he is going to be benefiting because he's going to be next to Giannis Antetokounmpo who you know is is a monster in his own right i mean he's he's spreading he had a freaking triple double in 25 minutes he he was insane he was insane to have that boon as a rookie (laughs) to come into the league where you were next to a literal mvp candidate in your first season and and you know divincenzo is not only the type of guy who can you know come off the bench and hit threes but he's going to be able to run like you know small uh, pick and rolls off the elbow he's going to be able to work as a cutter i mean he the, the way that mike budenholzer uh, runs his his offense is there's going to be so much space for him to to navigate through there i'm really excited to see what dante can do because you know it was a surprise that he came out so early he, he i mean he he it was smart in the end i suppose because he was riding the high of a, a national championship game where he went off but no one was expecting him to come out uh, as, as a 2018 guy they expect him to come back to Villanova um, really carry the team be a leader um, and potentially get drafted higher but in this situation which was smart um, he gets picked in in the mid uh, the middle of the first round and, and this situation happens so um, it's going to be really fun to see where it, what happens with him I have nothing more to say I, I agree with, uh, with everything you say 
for him to, for him to dominate like that in the national championship game, and then really <laughs> go to the combine and just literally, literally light it up on the as far as the measurables, um, the and all the other events, even in the five fives, he was he was pouring it up pretty good, man, and. He he showed a little bit of ability to, to create on his own, um, which which is good. Um, and I'm, that Bucks team is going to be is going to be is going to be interesting. We'll, we'll get to that. My my next guy is um, Kevin Knox, man. Um, I can say I wasn't necessarily extremely high on him coming out of Kentucky. I, I, I thought he had a solid year at Kentucky, but I didn't I didn't know what he could possibly become, honestly. Um, but I thought, you know, especially in summer league and even the early, even the preseason, I think you see a guy that could possibly fit really well beside a healthy um, Porzingis man. Um, he stretches the floor for you, can shoot the ball. He has the ability to take it off the dribble. I think Kevin Knox is a is a is a well-rounded player that could develop into something pretty pretty solid um, offensively. I don't I don't see him as a, as a um, as a world beater or anything. I don't. See him developing into a, a all world uh, <laughs> wing, but I do see him developing into possibly a, a, a solid all star guy that will that will average anywhere between about eighteen and twenty two, and if that if the, <laughs> if the Knicks are able to you know <laughs> freaking Knicks man I, I don't have to say anything else, but yeah yeah Kevin Knox man I I, I like I like what I see man and I, I think it's extremely talented kid man. Yeah, I I mean I'm not in the habit of watching Knicks games. That all like less so Knicks preseason games, but from the clips that I've seen of Kevin Knox, he just uh, to just to put it in the words of a friend of the pod and hopeful eventual guest of the pod, Matt Kip. Uh, he just looks really smooth. Yeah. He looks really smooth for a rookie. Um, can handle the ball and he just kind of glides across the floor. Um, and I think that, you know, having a, a young core of the future of potentially, um, you know, Frankie Smokes, Frankie Nilakina, who I love, uh, Kevin Knox, Kevin Porzingis, you know, the Knicks are obviously hoping there have been rumors that Kevin Durant will be a free agent next year and is potentially eyeing New York. That four, and I expect the Knicks to have a bad season this year, so they'll probably have like a top five, top yeah. six pick. You add one more young player, maybe you get you get the number one overall pick, you maybe get an R.J. Barrett to that core. That I is, think you save Porzingis, you don't, I mean... Yeah, you, there's play. no reason for him to play. There's no reason. You just, you heal him up. He is, he, I mean, he doesn't even have to be the, 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 the hope of the franchise now. If you, you heal him you nurture him. Um, you let him come back at full force for next year, where it's going to matter again. It, the Knicks look like they're going to have a potentially very quick turnaround. Think uh, about the length that will come out of that if Durant did come with <laughs> Durant, Porzingis, and Knox, and maybe a Barrett. Man, think of the, the length and the scoring ability of that team if that did somehow come together. The Atlantic Division is, in my opinion. Um, Probably the most talented division in the league. I would I would understand if you would say the Northwest Division is um, because they just simply have a lot of competitive teams all amassed in one division. Whereas the Atlantic Division is top heavy with Boston, Philly, and Toronto. But if the Knicks were to get that, whew, 
Atlantic Division is going to be uh, a, just a madhouse um, for those teams to get out. I mean, you, you could have four teams in the same division be the top four seeds. But, but look at this. Look at this trend, man. We, everybody's on this topic of, like, super teams and this and third and, oh, the competitive balance has been messed up. There's a potential for the competitive balance to just be shifted back to the way it is. Because, I mean, these things always put themselves up. But think about all the talent that is now being spread and all the, the, the amount of young guys who's, who's, who are up next, basically. Uh, it's, it's, a good, it's a good look for the league, man. Um, but you got one final, one final rookie that you, um, you bought into or interested in? Yeah, let me, let me, uh, let me put on my, my Northwestern hat put on the Chicago brand. Let's go to the Bulls. Let's talk about my young adult son, Wendell Carter Jr., who is going to have a great rookie season. He is going to have a great rookie season. Bulls are going to suck, but he's going to have a great rookie season. Um, so at, at Duke, you know, he, he played with Marvin Bagley Jr., and they had a weird, like, funky zone um, defense that kind of made projections of, of what Wendell Carter Jr. could be in the NBA a little funky. Um, watching him in Summer League and the preseason, he's had some grown man moments. He's had a moment where he rejected Giannis Antetokounmpo at the rim. Um, he, he is a smart, uh, high IQ uh, player who you know he he plays like a man. He's still able to you know he, I, I think he's like around two fifty pounds. Like he's he's going to be able to add another twenty five pounds to his frame, and and he's going to be just a really smart, bulky uh, five who can stretch the floor, run the floor. You know I, I hope he's going to become a leader. Uh, he's he's kind of in that like. Al Horford mentality type of a mold uh, of a kid. And when you pair him up eventually with uh, Larry Markinen, they have a a one-two punch there uh, of Larry Markinen, who I think his ceiling is really high also as a ball handler, um, as a scorer. And then Wendell Carter Jr., on the defensive side as a defensive anchor, uh, he is he he's it, it's going to be great. It's going to be a good pairing um, for the two of them. And you know, just kind of touching a little bit on um, the pieces around him uh, b- because I, I think it's going to be he he's a very good defensive player, and I think that there are going to be moments where it looks like he is not as good. But there is almost no one on this team that plays defense aside from him and Chris Dunn. Um, you know, you have. Zach Levine, uh, Jabari Parker. Um, you know, Robin Lopez plays defense, and he might have uh, start some minutes uh, over Wendell Carter Jr. to start the season, um, depending on how Fred Hoiberg deploys his lineups. But there's going to be times where Wendell Carter Jr. is like the defensive player on the floor. Yep. Um, and, you know, he's going to have some rough patches. Obviously, all rookies do. But I think he's going to have an overall uh, solid year. And I think the Bulls made a really solid pick with number seven overall taking him. Okay. I can buy it. I can buy it. Um, now moving to our last and final segment. It's been a joy so far, man. This, this conversation has flowed. It's been good. Um, the ultimate question now, man. Days away. Just what's in store, man? So we're going to line it up, knock it down, go out these predictions, starting with some NBA awards. Um, and I, I'm going to open it up with um, the first award is Coach of the Year, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I have two guys in mind, who's, and it's some it's an either or. It's, it's based on how some scenarios play out. I, I said how high, I explained earlier how high I'm on Denver. So I see Mike Malone being coach of the year if Denver takes a big leap right. and is a top four top four seed and 
is just just playing as well as I, I think they have potential to. Or I expect um, Quinn Snyder to to win Coach of the Year if the Jazz have fifty plus wins um, and lock in a top top three seed. Um, because I think the team as a whole, just especially defensively, um, is just really solid. I think they have a really solid core. Um, so yeah, those those are my my two for that. How about you? Uh, I looked at you know what. Obviously, Dwayne Casey last year was was the guy, and the fact that it was a unanimous decision. And not one vote went to Brad Stevens. <laughs> was eye-opening to me. That's kind of nuts when you think about uh, it. Yeah. Um, I think that if Boston can get the number one seed, and when I say number one seed, I mean like the best record in the NBA as well, because I think that that it has to be the goal for Boston this year. They're gonna, they, their expectation is they're going to the NBA Finals. And they're going to take on Golden State. And I think the only way that they win a seven-game series against Golden State is if they get home court advantage. If Boston obtains the best overall record in the league, gets the number one seed, gets home court throughout the playoffs, I think you got to give it to Brad Stevens. Um, and he's so young, but he's already expected, or I'm sorry, respected at so many, so many levels um, by execs and other coaches across the league, and obviously players love playing for him. Um, I, I expect it to be his year, um, and you know maybe maybe my honorable mention um, would be Toronto, who. You know, Nick Nurse obviously has been around the league, but this is his first time as as head coach mm-hmm. of a of a of this kind of a unit. If uh, Toronto gets the same same thing, if Toronto gets the number one overall seed, at best best record in the league, I could I I would give it up to to Nick Nurse um, taking that talent to where to where they they go. Okay, okay. Um, and let's stay with you. Most improved player. Uh, most improved player. I hinted on this. A little bit earlier in the pod, we're both high on Denver. I think that you know Nikola Jokic is obviously going to be a huge part of that. But I think Jamal Murray is going to be most improved player. Um, he's going to have a breakout season, I think. And if he has that breakout season, uh, if he is able to, you know, really utilize his athleticism and his skill set. Uh, as a passer, as a shooter, um, you know, defensively, if if he even ups his game a little bit, if he can even stay in front of you know pick and roll ball handlers a little bit more to just give that extra second, like you don't even have to ride them all the way down to the cup. You could just just stay, just just do your best to bump them out on on a pick and roll. Um, I think that that will push this Denver Nuggets team up a notch. Um, Jamal Murray, I think, can can be a twenty. 22 game a night score um, with, you know, five assists, six assists. Like, he's that kind of a player, I think. Um, and when you're working with a cerebral center like Nikola Jokic, it's it's a lot easier to do so. So, um, yeah, I think Jamal Murray is going to have a big year. Okay. I'm, I'm taking Brandon Ingram. Um, I think it's time. Um, like, I said, like I was saying with Miles Turner earlier, um, I think it's time, man. He, from the preseason games I've seen, he looks comfortable in that system with LeBron. And um, you hear LeBron praise him another day. He, 
he has the ability. I think he's under, coming to coming to understand the game. Well, his game now, um, and be able to play with play with length and being able to to. I, I've liked how he's been able to go to the hole, take on contact, and use his length to finish. I think that's that's been awesome, and I think it's time for him to explode. And they they need a number two in that team. LeBron's going to be LeBron, and with all that playmaking on that on that roster, man. Um, I just look at how fast they push the ball, and I love to see and I and I love the projection of him being able to, to finish in transition, taking taking advantage of that. And even being able to get the ball isolated on the wing sometime, and being able to you know do his thing, I think Brandon will take a take a large step, and I think we'll see him average about probably about the eighteen or nineteen range. I think so, just to start, and that may that might be the spark to ignite you know uh, a guy who's who has who has a high ceiling, and and it's just long, man. It's just long. Um, and it's, I think he's put on a little bit more, a little bit. We want to see, we want to see him yeah. pick it up a little he's bit. Still, yeah, he's, he's still, yeah, he's he's still a little lanky, he's a little slender, thin. Yeah, slender, but but I'm, I think I think he has a potential a big year, especially with all all the playmakers around him. Um, but yeah, yeah. Six man. Uh, six man of the year for me. Uh, I'm still going to Boston, and at this point, it's really just because they have so many guys. Scary but uh, scary Terry, I got. I'm I'm going scary Terry for six man of the year. I mean, this guy. You know, when Kyrie Irving went down, and everyone was just just lining up to play Boston. Um, you know th- how the seeds went out. Uh, Milwaukee was like, let's let's go. Uh, Philly was like, we're going to be able to take him down. Scary Terry, Terry Rozier stepped up um, in those first two series. You know, conference finals, a little shaky for him. But I think that now that he's back kind of in in a role where he can still have that ir- irrational conference in the stretches that he runs the second unit and those times that he's out on the floor with the first, uh, with, with the starting uh, five, essentially, uh, minus Kyrie or maybe even working with Kyrie some of the time. He's going to be able to light it up. He's going to be able to to play his game. Um, yeah. And I think that... It, he only had to really work on a few things this summer. You know, finishing at the rim has, has, has always been a thing. You know, he's a little, he's 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 not as strong as you'd like him to be some of the time, um, and just consistent three point shooting. I mean, in the playoffs, it looked like he couldn't miss. But as we know, regular season, larger sample size. You know, just a, a, a couple of ticks up. Um, but otherwise, you know, he's. A defender that's you know very uh, you, some might say like why not Marcus Smart then if you're thinking of a six man player for for the for the Celtics um, but there's just something about uh, Terry Rozier where he is just a guy you have to account for on both ends of the floor and he's coming off the bench he, he'd be starting for probably a solid ten teams in the league yeah, um, yeah, I just I, I think that he he's gonna have he's gonna have a good season with with what is around him now. I had a tough time here. Um, I, has, I, had, I consider Scary Terry. I consider um, Tyreek Evans if he did come off the bench. I understand that um, too. In, in Indiana, um, but I'm gonna keep the Boston connection alive, and I'm gonna go with Isaiah Thomas um, because I think this is an opportunity for him to really run that bench unit and to really um, show people that he's healthy and ready to go. Isaiah Thomas has always been a guy that that's like, I'm going to show you. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and being undersized, I can understand that mindset. It's just a little bit of a little man complex. But I think last year was, for, in my eyes, in my, in my view, I think it was a, a sham, man, just because I don't think he was healthy at all right? the whole time. Um, him getting traded from Boston to Cleveland was not ideal. And, and, and in the grand scheme of things, it just wasn't fair. So now his attitude and how that stuff shook out may not have been ideal, may not have been the right way to handle it. Um, but it, it wasn't right to him because he felt like he poured everything into Boston, and it felt like you know he was kind of, kind of, kind of spurned and kind of <laughs> got kind of got burned by the situation. But I, I see him being able to come off the bench and just because I still think he's, he has he has the ability to score at a high volume. I mean that stuff he did in Boston, I don't think that was fluke. No, not I, at I, all. Isaiah can play, man. Yeah, it's definitely. It's a matter of how healthy he is, and I think. Oh, now he's had the time to heal. But, I mean, we saw him even have to get another surgery um, in, in Los Angeles. So, clearly, that has to say something wasn't right, right? Um, so, I, I think it's an opportunity here for him to to really um, work on the the ideal of redemption, the idea of trying to prove to the rest of the league that, hey, I, I got it, man. And you know his confidence is through. He, oh, yeah. I say his confidence is yeah. through. He's, yeah. So, that's helpful. Um you want to talk about heat checking? He won't have a problem. Let him, let him, let him light up. Let him heat up. He won't have a problem putting 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 third down, putting thirty in some nights off the bench. Yeah. Um. So I, I have Isaiah Thomas. So. I, I think when when I was also doing this, I same guys I thought of as you. The the only thing I thought about for Isaiah Thomas was you know when is he going to be back? Yeah. Um. Because you know, if we're looking at minutes wise for the regular season, is he is he back within the first month? Is it a little yeah. later? Because if he waits till around you know Christmas time and then he's back, I don't know if you you can compare the same sample sort of a thing. But he's definitely yeah a guy that I kept in mind. Um, let me just, let's just stick with me. Um, rookie of the year. I, I would assume you had the same. We have the same guy here. I'm going to be Oh, I'm sorry. You went Aiton. Oh, who'd you who'd you go with? I I, I went Luka Doncic. Okay, okay, I, and that was that was tough too. But I was just looking at Aiton in this preseason, man. That's it's fair. Just, That's fair. It's just a grown man stamp on his game. Mm-hmm. He stays true to himself. Um, of course, we're going to see how, how he's going to play defensively. Um, but like I said earlier, man, he's a walking twenty and ten. And who else on that team other than Devin Booker is 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 going to is going to really put out basically and you know as you said Booker with the wrist things coming off that but I just see him down there banging with guys and the frame is there the body is there um, and I think he I think he's a type to know that he knows he's good it's just whether or not he'll get tripped up on that <laughs> and we'll see we'll see how he pairs up against guys especially like Embiid and stuff mm-hmm. but he doesn't have to worry about that much because he's in the West and right I don't, yeah I don't I don't know specifically how many times they might match up but he's, if he's averaging 18 20 and 10 not 18, 20 and 10. 18, <laughs> 20-ish, and 10. I think that's, that's rookie of the year. But Don just makes, makes good sense, too. Yeah, I, I, I think the the reasoning for me of Doncic over Aiton, I, I definitely can see Aiton putting up the rookie of the year numbers. Um, I don't know about 20 and 10, but maybe like a – 17 18 yeah, that's more, that's 17 more. 18 and 9 17 like he's going to be he's going to be you know flirting with double double yeah. Yeah. yeah um but Doncic is just you know he's going to have some some wow moments and i think that 
he, I think he, he's going to easily have stats. Um, I think he's going to be kind of a similar like Simmons type where he's just kind of gathering re- really weird stat lines like 13, 6, and 7 or like, you know, some nights he, he decides to be more of a scorer. So he'll go 18, 4, and, and 9. Like he is going to eventually be a triple threat type of uh, triple double threat uh, type of player in this league. Um, and, and with Rick Carlisle being the guy who, you know, famously has, has been behind Dirk Nowitzki, you know, having Luka Doncic have that guy, easily the best European basketball player in, in the NBA um, as his mentor is just going to be such a boon to him. And Doncic has already shown that he can... He can make he can he can break down guys. He can pass over them because he's six eight. He's so young. He's he's learning very rapidly. Um, he's been playing essentially professionally since he was you know sixteen um, in, in in you know Euro League play. Um, and there were moments in both. It, it, there were moments in the preseason where he just you 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 saw. Um, you know, I, I like to compare him to Simmons a little bit. You in the in the preseason, like you can you can see uh, these kind of guys. And you know, we talked about at the top, like does preseason matter? Preseason doesn't really matter for team play, but for players, it can certainly yeah. matter. Yeah. You want to see these rookies show that some of their translatable skills are at a high level in the preseason with both Aiton and Doncic, and because I, I think Aiton is is a reasonable pick too. The, these these are the two guys I think we're going to be looking at. Yeah, yeah. Um, as far as defensive player of the year goes, um, this might be kind of cliche, kind of corny, but I, I think Kawhi comes out and has a defensive player of the year type year. Just like I said, with, the, with that collection of defenders, I can see that team as a whole um, being maybe the, the number one defense in the league. Um, with him at, at as the as the linchpin of it all, he Kawhi's a conundrum within himself. But his talent and his ability on both sides of the ball are are unquestionable to me. I just think about the length and the ability to guard up and down all positions. Um, now I know you have guys like Anthony Davis in the conversation. You have guys like Embiid in the conversation. Draymond is always in the conversation. Um, but but I think Kawhi will come out. I I, I think Kawhi's gonna have a big year um, anyway. And I think defensively it's going to be um, defense is going to be a huge part of that. So that's that's my that's my pick for that. Yeah, I mean this this is a position where I could name like five or six guys like yeah, you said, you know, Davis, Green, Kawhi, Gobert, yeah, Gobert. um Embiid. Yeah. No. No, it, it it it's it's really tough. Uh I ultimately went with Embiid just because um his impact on every possession I feel uh defensively is is going to be the thing that carries that Sixers uh, defensive uh, rating, um, which I believe they were a top three defensive rating team um, last year. Yeah, they were they were third behind Utah and Boston. Um, it, it, it's it's Embiid. I mean, you you go drive up to the rack and he is there, and he doesn't even have to attempt to to block you. You you already altered your shot without even thinking about it. Um, and he is you know outside of the Boston series where it was the first time he really went up against a five out system and he just had he he couldn't figure it out. And obviously he was still coming back from his injury, the orbital bone fracture, um, and his conditioning was down. I think this off season for him was pivotal in that it was. His 
his full first healthy offseason, get his conditioning up, really understand what were the uh, mistakes that he made in that playoff series. And I think he's going to have a huge chip on his shoulder because not only did he get injured, you know, he, he played like 63-ish games. Um, Gobert, who ended up winning Defensive Player of the Year, he was also injured for a good part of the season last year and, yeah. and, and ended up beating Embiid for the award. And Gobert is a monster on the on that end of the floor himself. But I think that Embiid really thought that it was his year. You know, Draymond Green didn't really play defense every game last year. He checked out. Kawhi had a weird season. Uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo is another guy we can always talk about. It, it's... It, 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 he was ready, I think, last year for it to be his Defensive Player of the Year award. And now I think he's going to be playing a little bit angrier, a little bit smarter, a little bit more crisper on that end. Okay. Okay. Um, as far as my MVP, Giannis, man. I know a lot of people have, are projecting that. But I can see it. I can see it. You usually go through these, these periods of times where, where guys build up to their MVP moment. Like when Harden didn't win. He wins it the next year. Like you, you can see, you see the trends of guys. It's it's kind of like a, a system in my mind. It's like okay, well, it's their turn. So, but but he he can do it all, man. And how that Bucks team plays is is solely dependent on how Giannis goes. I mean, he needs some help a little bit more. Right, right. But he can do everything, man. Like I said earlier in the in the, in the cast, that triple double in twenty five minutes the other night was ridiculous. <laughs> and he's just so long and athletic and. Um, if he if he ever ever forms a a legitimate <laughs> three point shot, and he hit a couple of threes did, in the preseason, he, he, he yeah, comfortable. yeah, he comfortable yeah, he's looking comfortable. But if that becomes a threat this year, and he hits it, he starts hitting those shots. He's almost unguardable. Yeah, he's. Like, I, I don't know how you defend him. So I see I see Giannis being able to step up. I see a a solid um, anywhere between twenty seven twenty eight. I see. He could. He might. He has. He, he could. He could. You could see double double digit boards easily, and I, I think you'll see about probably about six or seven to six. So I I see a solid line, um, and he he plays he plays according to a skill set. Really doesn't get outside of it, and I think that's the key. So I got I got Giannis. Yeah, I, I Giannis obviously a top contender there. I actually went Kawhi here okay. uh, for MVP just because, you know, similar to what you said about Giannis. I mean, he's he's going to be the thing that ma- he's going to be the engine that that makes the team go uh, for Toronto, and I can easily see him going like twenty five, twenty six, um, six assists, eight boards a night, sort of a player, um, and you know, both both of those guys two-way impact guys. Um, I think the the reason that I had Kawhi over um, Giannis is just because I expect Toronto to be a a higher seed, a higher player. And generally, um, when you're looking at MVPs, um, usually you're looking for a playoff team that's a top-four seed. And I think Milwaukee has the capacity to be a top-four seed. I think they they, they could sneak... um, I, I think they'll they, they could easily push past Indiana. Um, I think they could e- they could potentially sneak past Philly um, because Philly's going to have some growing pains. Um, so I think both of these guys are reasonable candidates for for the award. Okay. And speaking of seeding, let's just go ahead and um, before we wrap up, let's just run through who we have our seeding as far as the East and West, uh, who we have in the finals, who we have winning and what games. 
and then we'll go ahead and wrap it up, man. It's, it's a great, it's a good first one, man. I think I think we done pretty good today. How about you, Greg? Yeah, think it's think it's been going well. Um, I guess I'll open up. Sure. Um, I go I go with East first. I got Toronto one. Um, I, like I said, I just think defensively is going to be good. I think and they always have a tendency to play a little bit better in, in, in the um the regular season. Mm-hmm. In my mind, they have Boston too. It's going to be tight between Boston and Toronto. Those, those two could be interchangeable to me. Mm-hmm. I think Philly's a solid three. I do think they're a solid three. Um, I do see a little bit more off the, off the pitch. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, Indiana four, Milwaukee five. Those are interchangeable as well. Um, I think the Wizards at six. I think they'll play a little bit better this year with, with a healthy John Wall, and we'll see. We'll be interested to see how Dwight Howard acts in the mix. Heater at seven. I think just a, this. They're not. They're they're pretty vanilla. Like there, there's nothing special about them. Nothing amazing, but um, we, like I said, we were talking about this earlier too. I like. I did like how they played Philly um, last year, because um, initially when I put my list together, I kind of had them out, um, but I decided to to leave them in. And the AC, I got either Detroit or Cleveland. Um, I want to see how Kevin Love plays. If he really steps into the role of, uh, he's not going. Unfortunately, and I hate it. He's not going to go back to the like that twenty-five and twelve guy. Um, but if he can average about uh, 21, 20 and nine, that'd be awesome. Um, and Colin Sexton, I, I, I like Colin Sexton. I hope hopefully he 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 projects to a place to what he projects. Um, and I would like to, I would just like I would like to see Cleveland make it. I don't want to see them go, <laughs> go right back down. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's my East. That's my East. Yeah, uh, I, I pretty much have the same teams. You just flip flopping some teams. So I mean, I got Boston one, Toronto two. Um, they're they're going to be the lead candidates uh, out of the East. Philly three. Um, I have Milwaukee over Indiana. Uh, so Milwaukee four, and then Indiana five. Um, so for mine, I had Miami at six with an asterisk, and the, the only reason I have them at six is if they get Butler. Um, okay. If they get Butler, I think they're they can push to six, um, and I can see them push to I like a. To like a to like a forty eight win like forty nine win team, yeah. um, without Butler, I think they still make it. I'd probably if I had to readjust, I'd probably put them probably seven or eight, um, and then Washington would bump up. But in this scenario, Washington's my seven. Um, and then I actually have Charlotte sneaking in there at eight. I I, I pushed them in the last second, but it was between Charlotte, Detroit, and Cleveland. Um, Detroit of those three teams to me has the most talent most with with Andre Drummond, uh, Blake Griffin, hopefully both, or hopefully Griffin fully healthy, uh, Reggie Jackson hopefully fully healthy. And then a couple of young pieces that are interesting. Luke Kennard, yeah. Stanley Johnson needs to mold into something uh, this season. Dwayne Casey is a good coach. But I just, I don't know. There's just something about the way that team functions. I, I have to see them on the court, I think, this year to believe in them. And I was really close putting Cleveland also because of the reasons you mentioned. I mean, they're a championship pedigree type of team. They have championship players on that team. Um, Kevin Love is going to be better this year now that he doesn't have to work off of LeBron. And a lot of these guys now no longer have to work off of LeBron and they can fill in their own roles. But... I just, you know, I just need to put Kemba Walker in here, man. I mean, he just really, he he needs to get in these playoffs. I mean, you know, in this matchup, he'd be up against Boston. He'd probably get bounced in like four or five. But uh, I just, 
Kemba Walker gotta gotta get him in there. So I put I put Charlotte in there. Okay, okay. We're gonna hop on the West. Um, come on, man. Like one and two is Golden State and Houston. Like that's not. I don't really think that's a challenge. Yeah. Yep. Golden State Houston. I have Utah at three. I had Denver as high as three, but I had kind of had to check myself. I was getting a little bit too happy, <laughs> a little bit too too hasty. But Utah, solid team up and down the boards. Donovan Mitchell will be much, not much better. Will be better this year. Um, he's a legitimate scoring threat. His game will continue to round out. Um, I have Chris Snyder as the coach, of course. Um, I have Denver at four. I have them edging out OKC. Um, I'm just not really a big believer in OKC's bench um, and how hard Russell has to work. Now, he, he does that on his own, of course, sometimes, too. Um, but I want to see if Paul George has a little bit more of a um, not explosive, but has has a better season statistically, especially in the scoring, on the scoring side of things. Because I, I still think even with Russ at his side, he should still be averaging in the 22, 23 range. But that's just me personally. Um, I know, but Russ is a heavy, heavy uh, primary ball handler. But um, yeah, um, LA at six. But you never know what I don't know what they're gonna be. So they could be as high as three, and probably as low as eight. <laughs> so, but I have LA. I think we we agree that they yeah. get in. It's yeah. not that they're going to get out. It's just where are they going to be? It's, it's going to be interesting um, because they have the potential. Like I said, they have the potential to be really good because I think they get a transition extremely fast, mm-hmm. which can be tough to defend. Yeah, absolutely. I've seen, catch, I've seen rebounds come off the rim. LeBron is, or Rondo is touching it, and it's just dishing. Yeah, to whoever's straight. Absolutely. So that, but we want to see how they're going to be defensively, mm-hmm. just because they don't. They don't have at the center present at the five is kind of kind of shaky. Javel, mm-hmm. I mean, Javel's okay, um, but defensively, yeah, and they don't have any shooters. Right. So well, I, they, they have some shooters, but it's it's like weird. He's gonna have to yeah. juggle the rotations. Luke Walton's gonna have to juggle yeah. rotation. Yeah, so, for sure. Um, but with no shooters, because a lot of people say LeBron needs shooters around him. Right. For for LeBron to maximize, but if you look at it, if they're planning transition getting into transition, they're just going to be passing it really. They're, they're whipping around. Yeah, LeBron's out. Absolutely. Um, seven. I had San Antonio because I think Popovich will be will still be able to manage it. Mm-hmm. This is a team that, that perennially wins fifty games. Um, they're not going to win fifty games this year, but I think they'll still squeak in. Um, in eight, I have either New New Orleans or Portland. I was a tough time going back and forth. Um, because I'm really not sure what those teams are going to do. I know Portland with McCollum. I mean, not McCollum. I'm going to start with Lillard. With Lillard and McCollum in the backcourt, there's always going to be nights where they can pour it up on you. So it's just a matter of the support and role. And that matchup against um, New Orleans last year just wasn't good for them as a team. That's that's why they got swept. I don't think it was a matter of talent. I just think the matchups was terrible. Mm. Um, and I, I don't want to bet against Anthony Davis. I think he is. There's so many guys that you can say in our top three, but... He's claiming he's the best player in the league. I don't. I don't think he's too far off that claim, honestly. But but yeah, that's 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 who I have um, in my West. And I guess I might as well go ahead and finish it up and do the playoff prediction. I guess I got Golden State versus Boston in the finals. Golden State to seven. All right. Uh, so my West, you know, top two is exactly the same. Golden State over Houston. I think Golden State this year is gonna try a little bit more in the regular season. Um, just, just because they're going to be like, hey, we home court's important. Um, you, we we saw how close it got in in a best of seven series against Houston, and and I think they're going to be fresher because they didn't go to China in the preseason, yeah. um, which they were talking about at nauseum. Um, three, Utah. Also, uh, I love Utah. Very balanced team. Um, 
Donovan Mitchell is going to have a good second season, I think. I don't think there's going to be a lot of regression there. Uh, Denver, we're both really high on. I have Denver at number four. So I feel really good about these top four seeds. Five through eight, I'm not comfortable, really. But um, I have New Orleans at five. Um, Now... I have two thoughts behind this. Number one, I'm not quite sure what made this team that was a six seed, that upset a three seed, that that made some good strides in a second round playoff series, who added Julius Randle to pair with Anthony Davis. They have Nikola Mirotic. He played a lot better. Once, know. Yeah, yeah, then once Cousins left, he was really yeah. solid pairing up with Anthony Davis. Um, you know, they lost Rondo, but they replaced him with Alfred Payton, who's kind of a similar guy. Like, he's a lighter version of it, but he can defend and he can pass, so that's really what you need. He's got the—I don't think his hair is the same anymore, unfortunately. No, but, uh, but uh, you know, you've got serviceable uh, wing players. Drew Holiday's— Obviously, I like, yeah, I it, like I so and and Anthony, Davis, I, I think the reason why people are dropping them is because you don't know about Anthony Davis's health. But like, look at the season he just had. I you can't just you, you, you can't just give him like the the MB treatment. Um, well, what was reasonably the MB treatment for a couple seasons in a row where it was just like, hey, I don't know how many games he can play, so I'm going to bump them down. Like, I feel like you you got to err on the side of consistency here um, and and give them some natural progression because I, I really like their offseason moves. Um, number six, I had the Lakers. Um, we touched on it. it really, I'm just going to be watching their defense because I think the Lakers are going to have like a top 10, top t- no, I think top 10 offense is reasonable, top 10. Um, but their defense is going to be bottom 10. So they're going to be in transition, running the ball up the floor, scoring, but then who's going to get back? It's going to be a lot of that. Um, Oklahoma City Thunder at 7 for me. I agree with you. I don't really like their bench options. Um, and it's going to be tough to go without Roberson for the first two months of the season, I think. Those bench options are absolutely, you can call me this, atrocious. Like, now, I do like the episode of Schroeder. Schroeder, we talked about this earlier. Mm-hmm. I think he is going to be decent off the bench and he can give Russell a little bit more blow. That's if Russell wants to come off the court, let's be real. But other than that, slim pickings, buddy. Slim pickings. I mean, like... Looking it over, I, I, I'm fond of Jeremy Grant because he's a process player. Uh, Nerlens Noel is always going to be a guy who you're like, uh, he can well, defend some of the time. Are, are defensive options. Yeah, that's true. Like, you know what? They don't have anyone to score off oh, the bench. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I agree with a, a good amount of what you're saying. So um, seven there. And then my seat, I went with Portland because <sighs> – it's tough to say that Greg Popovich and San Antonio are going to be out of it, but yeah. they just don't have any depth at the guard position, or arguably, like the wing. The wing depth is kind of weird too. Um, Kyle Anderson is going to be a bigger loss than people expect for them. Um, Portland is just kind of like a team that you you know what you're getting. Terry Stotts is a solid coach. Um, Damian Lillard and, and CJ McCollum are, is a top five top six backcourt um in the league you i think that's that's easier to go talent wise um over san antonio who has derozan and aldridge but a lot of question marks yeah, behind I, I that i'd rather take uh, lillard mccollum and even nurkin yeah really well done yeah yeah 
Um, and then uh, that that rounds out my West. And then for the the finals, um, I would probably have Boston versus Golden State, um, and then Golden State in six. Actually. Okay. Okay. Well, I think I think that's all we got for the people today, man. Um, we want to thank you again, me, Greg. Want to thank you again for tuning in. Uh, keep giving us a listen, man. It's, it's going to keep getting better. This this season is going to be great. I'm extremely excited. The moves that we've seen in the offseason, the acquisitions, the storylines are going to be big. So we expect big-time shows. So keep tuning into the lane, the lane violation where we might just cross the line. All right, everybody, have a good day.